he said, well, you know, if you can do this and this and this and this and this, then you've pretty much got all the bases covered. So you're what I call an architect of possibilities. People do not buy what you do. They buy why you do it. They buy how you make them feel. And they buy the story that you tell them about themselves. He told me about the contest. He said, you're one of our five winners. People love Rachel's song. And I said, well, who are the other four? He said, the Letterman, the Association, Don McLean, and George Benson. I said, whoa. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. You just heard some snippets from our fantastic show, so stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property attorney specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I do work at Gearhart Law doing marketing, and I'm an entrepreneur. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everybody. The road to entrepreneurship, where we talk with inventors, innovators, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We are very pleased to have Tom Stimple from Proactive Forums and Flawless Launch. So he's going to be sharing information on how you can flawlessly launch your company. Yes, he's an architect of possibilities. And after Tom, we're going to be hearing from Sharice Floyd. Do you ever feel invisible? I know I do sometimes. Well, Sharice can help you fix that. <laughs> and then Dave Combs. If you have not heard Dave Combs music, you are missing out on one of the joys of life. So very interested to hear how he's built that business. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news. I need a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is a patent that IBM had issued in 2018. We've, we've yet to see it, but it's called drone delivery of coffee based on a cognitive state of an individual. So a cognitive state, those are pretty fancy words. I, if you look at the patent, though, it, it shows a cognitive state of somebody falling asleep. So I guess what you would do is use the drone to deliver the coffee to somebody who really, really needs it. Right. Or you can raise your hand when the drone's flying by. Kind of like, remember at the football games and the baseball games, the peanut guys? Yeah, I just wonder when that's going to happen. When are the peanut sellers at ball games going to get replaced by drones? Oh. It'd be kind of a sad that thing. That would be horrible. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> this hasn't happened yet. So the thing that kind of gets me is that, like, what are they going to do? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I, if it were me, they just need an audio sensor and they could hear my snoring. But <laughs> personally, as much as I respect IBM, I could see where a lot of employees would need that working at that company. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we won't do any engineer jokes this show. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, so it's time for Richard's roundtable. Tom, what do you think about the flying coffee machine? <laughs> it just cracks me up, honestly. I think it's an excuse to try and figure out how to use a drone. It's like years ago, I used to be, uh, I was involved in a company that was building lasers when lasers just weren't used anywhere. They were a solution looking for a problem. I think that's what this drone thing is too. <laughs> a solution looking for a problem. And cognitive state, just cracks me up. My cognitive state's likely to be all over the map at any time of the day. And I'm afraid there'd be a drone over my house about 30 hours a week. <laughs> and if you're a hacker, you could conceivably just cause the drone to dump coffee on your least favorite coworker too. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of angles to this that need to be addressed. Yeah, I and, think people would buy into that even more. <laughs> so Sharice, 
Well, it all sounds a little crazy to me. I am not a coffee drinker, so I am always amazed by how coffee infiltrates our world. And this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Good point. I think she makes a good point there. You know what I want? You know my drone idea, right? So our lawn is really wet a lot of the time. So I want a drone that cuts the lawn, but flies above it. So you don't get any tire tracks in the lawn. I think they already have those, by the way. Yeah. Dave? Well, <laughs> my music is sometimes used to put people to sleep so <laughs> i'm not sure how my music would fit in with this uh, coffee drone thing but uh, anyway it sounds a little bit like i agree with tom that it's a solution looking for a problem here but yeah anyway. but do you drink coffee when you're composing music no i'm not a, really a coffee drinker i like uh, i like tea i do like but i'm, I'm from the south i like sweet tea yeah. Okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Kenya, what are your thoughts? I agree with Tom. I think that, uh, and a little bit of the conspiracy theorist in me thinks it's a way to measure employee productivity. So in terms of like <laughs> wow. delivering a cup of coffee, are they really finding about other things that are going on, like on the floor ooh, with employees? Ooh. So I don't know. It's just like, what does it mean when they start tallying the number of cups of coffee that an employee drinks? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, so they show up on your performance appraisal. <laughs> right. They put it on your permanent record. <laughs> Along with pictures of whatever was on your desk at the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah flies over, takes a picture of your computer screen. We know what they're up to for sure. Yeah. Now it's time for our distinguished guest, Tom Stimple from Proactive Forms and Flawless Launch. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And we're so glad to have you. So what are proactive forums and what is Flawless Launch? Well, they both have their kind of their base in my original company, which is called Proactive Business Improvements. It was founded in 2002 after the corporate world melted down <laughs> in my life anyway, after 9-11. I started that business to be a, a business advisor to work with companies to help them solve complex problems and capitalize on opportunities and those kinds of things. I did a lot of business process re-engineering and trying to help people find new competitive advantages. And over the years, it became obvious to me that I needed to be working with small businesses, not large businesses like I originally thought. A gentleman I met who used to be the president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, I went to a, a luncheon one time where he made a presentation and the numbers that he presented were shocking and they hold true today as well. This presentation was back in 2007 or eight, I think, I forget. But Tom made this presentation. He indicated that approximately 90% of the GDP is produced by companies with fewer than 50 employees every year. That's and that was amazing. shocking to me. Yeah. But even more shocking was the fact that almost 80% was produced by companies with fewer than five employees. Wow. And yet, of all the new businesses that are begun every year, on average, about 54% of them fail within two years and 97% fail within five. And being close to what failure looks like, because I, you know, in my work, I had done a lot of work with companies that did quite well. We had some good successes, but I'd seen a lot of people bail out on projects that would have made them successful and they failed and they wasted a lot of money. And there was a lot of problems associated with that, you know, even domestic problems included. So, you know, it occurred to me that I've, I've just got to focus on small businesses. I want to cure the epidemic of small business failures in this country. That's really kind of my mission in life right now. 
And I can't do it all by myself, but by having opportunities to make presentations like this and to be on podcasts. And I do my own podcast as well, as Elizabeth knows. In fact, you're a guest next Monday. So get ready. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be there. You know, there's a lot of business advisors like myself around the country, many of whom I know very well, who are concerned about this as well. And the thing that's interesting is we used to have kind of a roundtable forum among about 50 of us that would get together every month and discuss our clients and our issues and where are we having trouble and where could we use some specialized expertise that somebody else may have. We were always frustrated by the businesses that would do half measures. They would bring you in and get a flavor for what it is that they needed to do. And then they wouldn't allow you to stick around and help them actually, you know, implement things and do things successfully. That's why 97% of businesses fail because they don't know, honestly, to look for the support that they need. I know there's probably a lot of reasons. I think the biggest problem is pride. People don't think that they need help or they don't want to believe that they need help. They think they've got it all covered, particularly folks who are coming out of a corporate environment where they've been there for a few years and they think they've seen it all. But to become an entrepreneur, you've got to wear so many hats and you got to look good in all of them. And, you know, you need to be able to sort through the things that you don't do well, or you don't know enough about and bring in some contract help to help you out. You know, eventually you may elect to hire those people full time. That'd be great. But in the beginning, there's a lot of bases to cover and you can't possibly do them all. You know, I mean, even Myself, after you know, 20 plus years in corporate and a really, really broad background, there was a lot of stuff I did not know. And I had to reach out to people to find out about the things that I needed to know. One of you mentioned that my tagline has been an architect of possibilities. It's on my business card and all that. And that came from Tom Peters, actually. I accidentally had an opportunity to have lunch with him one day when I was looking into what my next opportunities were going to be. And it was about the time I was starting this business. And he was asking me, you know, the details of what I could do. I was going through the whole laundry list of things that I'd done. And in his summation, he said, well, you know, if you can do this and this and this and this and this, And you've pretty much got all the bases covered. So you're what I call an architect of possibilities. And I was like, wow, I like that. Can I use that? He shook his (laughs) finger at me and he said, I don't ever want to see your business card without that title on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you, you said you should use contractors. So what's your favorite place to find contractors and how do you pick the right one? Honestly, I think a smart place for someone to go starting a small business and doesn't really know too many people, if you don't know, you know, a lot of people is look inside an organization called BNI, Business Networking International. Uh, It's an organization of small business owners who get together to try and help promote each other. And that networking that they get done is not just within, you know, the small community of 15 or 20 people that they have breakfast with every week but with hundreds of people in the region. And so you get to know a lot of people who have specialized expertise in certain areas. So if you went to one of those meetings, you may find that you'd like to join just so that you can promote your own business and help other small businesses as well. But at a minimum, you'll probably make a good relationship with someone who can help you find the right people. There's a lot of business advisors out there, people like myself. Some of them are very good and they know exactly what they're doing. Unfortunately, most of them have a really, really narrow path in terms of what they do well. The 50 or so of us that would get together once a month. One of those months, one of the guys that I work with, and Elizabeth, who you know, Tom Flurry, 
came up with this brilliant idea. He said, you know, the problem is we're approaching this from the wrong angle. We're trying to take people who are already in business, who are struggling mightily in most cases, and we're trying to turn them around and they don't have the right mindset or framework to accept the kind of help that we know we can provide to them. We need to capture them before they get to that point. Long story short, we started working on a training program that would capture aspiring entrepreneurs and teach them what it was like to really be an entrepreneur, how difficult and complicated it was. And honestly, our intent was to scare the hell out of about 70% of them. So they'd go back home and go, okay, I got to update my resume and find another job because this entrepreneurial thing is not for me. And that's evidenced by the, you know, 97% of them fail. So we had built this training, but we never actually had an opportunity to roll it out for a couple of reasons. Primarily the pandemic really kind of got in the way. Plus we had built it to be a face-to-face, real intense weekend thing, which ultimately we decided wasn't the best way to do that. So this year we're actually reformulating it to be an online self-paced program that's got live support every week on Zoom calls and so on and so forth. I also wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Mindset that actually goes through the the entire methodology that we prescribe for people to understand how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur. And then if they elect to move forward, there's a methodology for steps to follow that are the smartest things to do and the most intelligent way to approach researching and developing a new business. I tell people all the time, if you're going to start a new business, at least just go buy the book. It's 12 bucks, you know, <laughs> if you're not, it's a small if, investment. Kenya, you must have a question. Yeah. So what are some early red flags that sometimes entrepreneurs miss when a business is starting to fail? That's a big question. Really kind of depends upon, you know, the direction they're going. But quite often, it's having way too much confidence in a really bad idea. Unfortunately, quite often, it's not having the support of your family. That's an enormous problem, particularly if you're having to go out and raise funds, because as much as I hate to say it, you know, banks are not your friends when you're starting a brand new business. They'll be all over you if you've got a year worth of profits behind you and you've got a really great business plan and some plans for growth in areas that are really interesting to them. But just to go into a bank and say, you know, I'd like to start a small engine repair shop and I need, you know, $100,000 to do the following, blah, 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 blah. Not going to happen. You know, you're going to have to rely on other sources. They also really horribly mess up budgeting. Most of them don't have a clue how to do a budget. And so they over forecast what they think they can accomplish in terms of revenues and severely under forecast expenses. And even after they go back and redo their expenses, I tell them to add 40% because you're definitely wrong. We're all wrong. None of us can forecast that accurately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tom Stimple here from Proactive Forms and Flawless Launch. We have to take a commercial break. We'll be back right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G E A R H A R T L A W dot 
www.thepeopleshow.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Back with Tom Stimple. And I think with any venture that you start, you have to use the same principles because when we started Passage to Profit four years ago now, almost, first of all, it was Kenya Gibson's concept. And she held our hand through the whole being on the radio thing because we had no idea what we were doing. So we had the help that we needed, but we treated it like a new business. So anytime you start any sort of venture, I think you do have to treat it like another business. Otherwise, you just don't give it the attention it needs. You also mentioned, though, something about the Entrepreneurs Guild. As part of this whole process to gather entrepreneurs, you know, first of all, we started with the podcast and the podcast was designed to interview successful entrepreneurs that weren't successful right out of the gate. They had things to learn and things to stumble over and problems to overcome. And so we discuss all those things so that they share that with people who may be having those same problems. So they get ideas as to how to overcome things. And what we decided we would do is then collect everyone who's been a guest on the podcast, which now is, we did the podcast for a couple of years in Boston and restarted it again last year. So it's it's well over a hundred people, uh, 120 or so we've probably done podcasts with, but we decided we'd start this Facebook community and that we just bring all of them in so that they would have a place where they could gather to get insight on different ideas, to share ideas in open forum discussions, to ask questions, get answers, share their own expertise and all that kind of stuff. We share a lot of information on different topics. We write, you know, white papers or blogs. We'll also be pretty soon inviting people to some regional events and also to the training as soon as we get it finished. And so the Entrepreneurs Guild was the title of the first organization we tried to build. Uh, actually, the first one, we, we wanted to call the Aspiring Entrepreneurs Guild. <laughs> but then we learned that all the aspiring entrepreneurs are in hiding. So <laughs> we, needed to, we needed to find a way to get to them elsewhere. So the Entrepreneurs Guild is a complimentary organization. Anybody who's a business owner or wants to be a business owner is welcome to join. It's a Facebook community, and there's a very simple entry criteria. Well, Tom, you've been a wonderful guest. How can people find you? Well, the best way is either through www.flawlesslaunch. That website houses all of our podcasts and some information about the book and some information about the guild. They can also go to my personal website, which is proactiveforums.com. That's a really simple website that just gives an overview of some of the other work that I do. They can reach out to me in email, tjs.pbi at outlook.com, or just give me a call. 603-361-1158. Thanks again. I hope you'll stay with us for the rest of the show. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our guest today, Tom Stimple. And we will be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. 
Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now on to Power Move with our media maven, Kenya Gibson. Hi, Kenya. I love the conversation we've been having with Tom about serial entrepreneurship, and it only be befitting that we talk about Emma Grade for Power Move. She is a London-born entrepreneur, and they call her the brand whisperer to the Kardashian empire. So she was actually wow. the one that came up with Skims, Kim Kardashian's new clothing line and Good American, which is Khloe Kardashian's jean wear line. So she started out with a talent agency where she met Kris Jenner several years ago, got in contact with her, had the idea for Good American and pitched it to the mom. And that's where all these other brands have been birthed for the Kardashians. So it really kind of wasn't their ideas. They made her a co-founder and a CEO. So I thought that was a pretty big power move for somebody who was a college dropout and now is worth a few billion dollars as of last year. That's awesome. You know, that kind of raises the Kardashians in my esteem a little bit because they didn't just steal her ideas and run away. They brought her into the company. So that was awesome of them to do that. Just shows you networking. Isn't that what we're talking about? (laughs) Wow, that's like some power networking, I'll tell you. (laughs) And the power of a good idea. We've had other people on the show who have approached celebrities and managed to get their attention and form a relationship with them and build a business based on that. So if you're that type of person who can do that, then that's obviously a pretty effective way to start a business, I would imagine. Thanks for bringing that up. Elizabeth, it's time for Fireside. Okay. Well, (laughs) as Tom said, he is on the peer advisory board with me where I talk about Fireside and he knows that I have been struggling with my website. And I finally just decided to bite the bullet and have the guy that I picked help me do my website. So he sent a contract over and I had my attorney, Richard, (laughs) look at the contract and Richard had some specific questions. And one of them is like, how much is this actually going to cost? And when I talked to the guy, I had a meeting with him. He was like, well, we have to do discovery. That's 3000. And then I gave you a number for the website, but it could go higher. It could be less, but you know, it will never be less. (laughs) (laughs) And so maybe we split it out and do the discovery first. And so I think I like the guy and I trust him, but I just can't get him pinned down to what it would actually cost. So I'm going to talk to a couple more people. We did have somebody on the show a while ago. His name is Gene Sower and he had sold his Samson media business, but we went back to them for the Gearheart Law website. And so far we're very impressed. So I'm going to talk to him about this and maybe a couple of the other people I've run across because it makes me feel a little uneasy thinking I'm going to go in there with, I don't know, 15 grand and then ending up paying. 30. Right. But if you're going to have somebody do a website, you want to make sure you own everything. The about copyright. Them. Yeah. The, yeah, the code, I, I mean, the, the, everything. You want to be able to take that website and move it to somebody else if you have a reason to do that. You know, maybe you outgrow the provider. Maybe you're not getting enough attention from the provider, but you want to make sure that you own everything. And a lot of website contracts are written in a way where the company that makes the website owns part of it. And they'll use language in the contract that says, you know, you'll own this part of the content, but then we own the back end. So you want to be very careful that you're aware of that. And it may be that you agree to it, but it's definitely a sticking point. And then the other part is that you want to make sure that there are some deadlines for performance in the contract so that the process doesn't get dragged out indefinitely if they 
suddenly land IBM as a client, your work may get pushed to the back of the line. So you want to make sure that there are specific dates that they have to live up to. And you don't want to be unreasonable, but you want to make sure that you have those as part of your deal with them. And so. this is something that we learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> So um, the contracts are really important. So I'm negotiating with Andrew on this, but I am going to look at a couple other people. I do think it's extremely important to me to own everything with this and I am paying them. So I don't see why they would want to keep part of it. Well, the reason I mean, I why, why but. yeah, I mean, the reason why is they want to be able to take that back end that they've built and sell it to somebody else. Right. right. And a lot of software companies have that as a business model from their point of view, that's understandable, but that doesn't necessarily help you. So that's where I am. I look like Tom wanted to say something. Did you have a comment, Tom? <laughs> no, I just was thinking, you know, if people educate themselves about what is going to be involved in the process and then put together a proposal of their own to hand it to a contractor like that and say, this is the way I want things done. And I want you to respond to this proposal accordingly. Then you can include things like, I'm going to own all of it, hundred percent of it. You don't own any of the back end. Yeah. You wrote the code. Congratulations. That's what you do for a living. That's what you get paid for, but I own it because it's my company and it's my idea and so on and so forth. And there's other things that you'd want to put in there. And definitely, you know, as Richard said, you've, you've got to have a timeline in there. You've got to have uh, a clause in there that says, if you don't perform, you know, here's what's going to happen. And there are other aspects there, but educate yourself and approach someone on that basis, not just, hey, I got a website I need built. What do you think? That's excellent advice. And what I'm going to do is take what I've done with this person and do just what Tom said to do. I have another suggestion too, because I, I went through the same process with my own Holmes Music website. And there are experts out there that once you get the basic website design, there are other people who are really, really good at what I would call an audit of your website. They're an impartial, going to take a look at it and say, it works really well. Here's what needs improving. And with the short attention spans of people these days, here's what you need to do to make sure you grab your audience just like that, instead of making them scroll down the page, three pages before they get something. I would say, find you a good auditor or expert in evaluating your website. And it's worth paying a few hundred dollars to somebody to take a look at your website and give you their recommendations for improvement. That's a good point. I forgot to mention what Fireside actually is. <laughs> so that, business. Yeah, that would help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do it every time. It's a video directory of small businesses. And I have a certain format and a certain architecture that doesn't exist anywhere else yet. Well, it exists for me. And I have a website now, but it was a square peg in a round hole because I took something that existed and tried to fit mine to it, but mine needs to be different. So that's where the search is. So yeah, for the design part, I think I can do that. I need the heavy duty programming on the back end. But yeah, that was a good point. So this is awesome. I'm wearing my entrepreneur hat and getting all sorts of advice that I need. <laughs> so, anyway. But before we do that, we're going to take a commercial break. So we'll We'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new concern,
consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Tom Stimple. And now we are on to our presenter, Sharice Floyd, who has witnessed my life. This is an incredible platform, and it's really helping a lot of people. And I can hardly wait to hear about it. Sharice, tell us what you're doing with your platform, because I think it's amazing. I am a storyteller and a brand strategist. And my company, Witness My Life, is a communications firm that really helps people tell their stories. In essence, what I really do is help people raise their voices and tell their stories so that they are impossible to ignore. And in the world of entrepreneurship, it is very important for people to be able to tell their stories. As Tom mentioned, this idea that 97% of businesses fail, they fail because they are forgettable. And telling your story is one of the ways that you can prevent that. Right. And here in my notes, it says that you have a real big vision for this. You want to bring the whole world together. I do believe to my core that our stories are the one way that truly bring the world together. I did a TEDx about two years ago that was called The Secret to Healing the World. I believe that when we share our stories, there is commonality there. My story connects to your story and connects to your story. And it's one huge story with all of these differences, but it's more similar than it is apart. And so it's this idea that we see each other, that we support, we educate, and then we encourage each other through our stories and through building businesses that allow us to be able to share those values and ideals. That sounds great. So what's your story? Well, I came into this process, actually, I had a very personal story, as we all do. At the time, I was living a lie, so to speak. I was sitting 2008 watching the women's four by four relay and the woman dropped the baton on the last leg and it's my favorite event of the olympics and i started to cry and i thought this is more than just about her dropping the baton what is this thing she drops the baton and she picks it up and she kept going and i was crying and i remember thinking why don't i have that thing that makes you pick up the baton and keep going. I felt like I was the baton, not the woman who was actually picking up the baton. And I was very invisible in my life at that time. I was married to someone who was incarcerated and the people around me had no idea that this was going on. And I was showing up in my life every day, being unseen and unheard, just going through the motions. And during that time, I thought, I'm hiding in plain sight. And so I started to tell the story and people started to come around me who also was in the similar situation, who were also hiding in plain sight. And we started building community around that. And so what you see now with Witness My Life is just the evolution of that. I'm still helping people tell their stories. It's just now a little bit more business focused and it's personal in the way of helping people build their thought leadership. Wow. 
Kenya, do you have any thoughts or questions? I like the whole hiding in plain sight because I feel we all do that in some way, shape or form. I kind of feel like I'm in that phase right now. <laughs> actually, And that's actually a good title for a book. I don't know if you're doing a book, but once you made that realization of you wanted to be that person that was carrying the baton and not mm -hmm. the baton, like what were some steps that you took? The first thing I did was started to ask people around me, what is it that you see in me that I don't see in myself? Because people have a vision of you when you're too close to your own story, when you are reliving or telling yourself these negative stories, the people around you can see you in a much fuller way than you can see yourself. For example, being in that situation, I was like, I'm so embarrassed to be in this situation. How stupid am I for being in this situation? Those negative thoughts. But the people outside were saying, you're very courageous you're resilient, you have a strong will about you. Two different things, one positive, one negative. So the first thing I did was to ask the people around me, what is it that you see? And then started to reframe the stories that I was telling myself, because what you believe about yourself are the actions that you are going to take. And then started to go through my life, well, what are the ways that I do show up? courageous? What have been the ways that I have shown resiliency? Rewriting the stories in my own life and then coming full circle to believe those things. I can really relate to that story. <laughs> I tend to be very self-critical and it's a tough journey to talk back to the critical self. It can be a very powerful voice. Tom has a comment. I just love the whole concept of what you've done. Storytelling is so powerful in so many ways, even in business on a day-to-day -day basis. It's better to be telling stories about what people can accomplish rather than telling them what to do because they relate to stories. They don't care about details. The similarity and the connections that you discussed is what gets people connected. It's what gives people confidence to move forward in a positive direction. I think of my career prior to starting this business, and there were three specific times when somebody said something to me that was really encouraging. It was something I, they were commenting about something that I had done or had the capability of doing that I didn't know I had. And the fact that someone portrayed that, told me that story, really gave me some confidence. And in every case, it kind of boosted my career along a little bit further. Pulling people's stories out, it's just a phenomenal thing to do. I congratulate you on, on all you've accomplished. It's just a great direction. Yeah, Sharice, I have a question for you. You're trying to pull people that are marginalized by society into what you're doing and help them become seen and tell their stories. How are you doing that? If you think about human beings, we all have this basic core need, which is to be seen and to be heard and to be valued. And when we think about the things that have happened in history, when people are behaving badly, at the core of that, they do not feel seen, heard, and valued. When people are rioting in the streets, when people are acting out in any kind of way, it goes back to that. And so when I work with people, we start with understanding that we, in our life, in our being, we're the only one on the planet that can do what we do in the way that we do it. We are unique unto ourselves. So even if there are people that sell a similar product that you sell, no one can sell it and be you because you are really the real product. It's not the commodity. It's you are really the real product. And so what I do is to help people tap into the power of one. You are the hero of your own life. 
And when you realize how powerful that is and that no one else can knock you off of that pedestal, you start to see people realize that what they bring to the table is the only thing that they can bring to the table. And then they show up in that full power and then they live through that lens. So it's really just a matter of walking people through their life's journey and connecting, as Tom talked about their why, if they are in business or even if they're not in business, connecting their why to what they are doing. I like to say, if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not big enough. And just wanting to make more money is not a big enough why. Because again, people do not buy what you do. They buy why you do it. They buy how you make them feel. And they buy the story that you tell them about themselves. And to tap into that personal brand that we all have. Right now, we have this thing where people are quitting their jobs. We have people who are coming into entrepreneurship by necessity, not because they necessarily thought of themselves as an entrepreneur, but they don't want to be at the job that they've been at. So they're going to do whatever it is to make money. I want to leave you with these three questions because they helped me get grounded in who I am and what I do. So when you think about aligning yourself, your money, your purpose, and your paycheck is what I like to call it. I want you to think about what is an experience that you have had that you do not want anyone else to have. That will help you ground your why and that will help you ground your purpose and show up in the world in yourself. What do you want to be known for? That will help you determine the things that you want to do like this interview right here. I want to be known for helping people tell their story. So you show up in places where you want to be known for. And then the last question is, what does the world lose if we do not know your story? Because again, you are the only person that has the experience that you have. And in those three questions, keep those focused, whatever you do to attempt to make money, you will always be grounded in your purpose and that paycheck will follow that. Wow. Do you have a book? Or, I mean, where, where can people go to where, find this? If they, didn't have, if they couldn't write it down fast enough, like, where can people go to find out more? Well, it's not a book book. It's a storytelling journal. It's not like a book telling you what to do. It just helps you get your story out of your head. It's called Become the Greatest Story Ever Told. You can find that on my website at witnessmylife.org. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under my name, Sharice Floyd. And there are videos of me all around. So profound. That, that was, was amazing. I, because I really need to think about these things with my business and with everything I do. Sharice, you've been just absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on Passage to Profit. And I really feel like you're bringing things to a whole new level in the world. And we wish you a lot of success. We have to take a break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, 
Contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Tom Stimple. And now we were on to our next presenter, Dave Combs with Combs Music. If you have not heard Dave's music, well, go to his website right now and listen. <laughs> but first, hear what he has to say. So welcome, Dave. Tell us about your music and your journey. Well, thank you, Elizabeth and Richard, for inviting me on your program. This has been very stimulating. And as an entrepreneur, we all like to hear stories and we all learn something every time we get together with another entrepreneur. It never fails and this is no exception. I probably have a few years on, I believe, everybody in the audience here. I'll be turning 75 years old in about two weeks, but I've been working one way or another since 1965. What's that, 57 years since I graduated (laughs) from high school? That's a long time. But I've had an incredible life of a great education. I was a math major, a physics minor. I programmed computers, got my first job, my only corporate job with Western Electric, which later became AT&T. So I worked in the technology industry and telecommunications industry for 22 and a half years before I was finally able to quit my job and do my entrepreneur job full time. But in that journey, that journey is so full of those stories of lessons learned. I counted up, you know, my book that's right here called Touched by the Music is full of, and I counted them up yesterday. There are 78 little short stories in the book. If you want to if you capsulize my journey along life into little 78 little short stories, and that's not the entire picture, of course. I, there's a lot of stories that didn't make it into the book, but it's an the entrepreneur's- ones you tell publicly, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, some of those I, I wouldn't want to tell publicly, right. Yeah. Anyway, I hopefully put the most interesting ones in the book. I did take my whole life's journey with my career, and but I'm mainly about my musical journey since 1981 with Rachel's song, the writing of Rachel's song, my first song, and the journey from that one song to eventually writing over 120 songs and recording over 170 songs and with 15 albums of music. So that's quite a journey from one little small beginning and a product to eventually a full-fledgling business that was very successful. I have several of my songs on a a long-playing YouTube video, and I created these, ironically, for the pandemic to be played in nursing homes and assisted living facilities so that they could just push play on the YouTube video and it would play for six or seven hours. They didn't have to tend to it. It would just play. So yes, you can go to my Combs Music YouTube channel and there are, I think, three long-playing music videos that will play this soft, soothing music six, seven hours. So you can put it on and you go to bed and it'll still be playing seven hours later. So So all these stories that I accumulated together and during the pandemic is when I wrote my book. You know, all of us were searching for what are we going to do? We're at home. We can't go anywhere. Can't do anything else. What are we going to do? So my wife says, well, why don't you write down all these stories and put them in a, a book? So I did. I wrote down all the stories. And in the process, I met and have become friends with somebody you all know, and that's Jack Canfield. Oh, he yeah, is the sure, author sure, of sure. the Chicken Soup for the Soul book. And as a friend, he helped mentor me a little bit with how to put the book together. And he read the book. And I believe it was Tom, you said a while ago, when somebody told you something 
that really meant something in your life. Well, Jack Canfield told me, he said, Dave Combs, you're a good writer. Well, I'm not sure anybody of that caliber and stature had ever told me, Dave, you're a good writer. Now, I write music as well, but writing a book is a whole different animal. So I wrote my book, and lo and behold, guess who wrote the foreword to my book? Jack oh. Canfield. People like the Jack Canfield and the musician Gary Prim that I met in Nashville, Tennessee, that have become, we're like brothers now. We've known just the best of friends, and he's a wonderful musician. And those kind of things just don't happen by accident. So, no, I didn't, I didn't see the whole long-range picture, but I do have, I'm a math major, physics minor. I have my MBA from Wake Forest University. So I am a business person, and I've always looked for opportunities to better myself and to try entrepreneur. I have some failure adventures <laughs> that I could talk about too, but we we're not going to go into those today. <laughs> but, uh, but the music that came along started with that one song, Rachel's Song. And it was one of those inspirational things that just happened. And once it landed on earth through me, I played it for people. It got its name, Rachel's Song, when I played it at our Godchild Rachel's christening service, named it after her. I played it during the service for her. And then it got recorded three years later in Nashville with Gary Prim, the artist that I use. It got played on the radio. People loved what they heard on the radio, started calling radio stations. I got it played on every easy listening radio station in the United States. There were about 400 of them back then in the late 80s. And I started getting fan mail. People started writing me these wonderful stories about how my music had touched their life. There was a lady who had just finished her training as an emergency medical technician driving home from her last class. And on the way home, she and her husband, they saw an old man fall down on the sidewalk in her neighborhood. Stopped the car, she got out, ran over to the gentleman to see if she could help him. And on the car radio was some music playing. The car door was still open. She yelled back to her husband, turn that music up. And he did. And the music helped calm the gentleman down and he eventually was okay, whether he was having a panic attack or a heart attack or whatever it was. And so the music had simply helped calm him down. They got back home, tracked down the radio station, and called and said, what was that song that was playing at 6.07 p.m. tonight on the radio? And the announcer didn't even miss a beat. He says, oh, that was Rachel's song, because apparently she wasn't the only one that ever called about that song. So she wrote me this wonderful letter of that story. So those stories are so important, and I have heard from over 50,000 people over the past 40 years about my music. Now, wow. you stack up 50,000 letters and notes, that's a basement full of boxes of letters. I put about 22 pages in my book of those letters. Chapter 21 is a bunch of those special notes and letters. But the journey, as Jack Canfield said on the back of my book, he says, uh, it's a great story in addition to the wonderful music he's created. His book is almost a primer in what to do if you want to get something out into the world. So these stories tell how I got my music out into the world and didn't just keep it to myself. So what is your overall vision for your music? Is it to have everybody in the world listen to it and calm down? Because that would be great. <laughs> well, the one word that is most frequently used in all those 50,000 letters that I've got is the word peace. And if you stop and think about it, when you have peace, that means you're probably calmed down, you're in a good place, and things are okay. And so I think that my mission 
is to spread my music throughout as much of the world as I can, and thanks to the internet, we can do that these days, to spread peace and happiness and calm and healing around the world through my music. And that's really, my, I wrote my book to tell my story, but to tell my story so that people would also go and be blessed and touched by the music themselves. Do you ever have performances of it? I am not a performer per se. A radio station in St. Louis, Missouri ran a contest of all their listeners is, what's your most popular song and artist that you like to listen to? And they ran the contest and they were going to invite the five top artists that the listeners voted for to come to St. Louis to do a concert. I got a phone call from the program director at this KEZK radio station. He told me about the contest. He said, you're one of our five winners. I said, really? He said, yeah, people love Rachel's song. And he said, I said, well, who are the other four? And he said, well, it's probably some people you may have heard of. It's the Letterman, the Association, Don McLean, and George Benson. I said, wow. whoa, man, me. <laughs> I thought, man, I have, I have landed in the right place here. So, yes, I did go. And it was an outdoor free concert in St. Louis at Booter Park. It's a great big park, uh, outdoor venue. 26,000 people showed up and I got to play Rachel's song on a concert grand piano on the stage for 26,000 people. And right behind me then the next act was the Letterman. And I spent all day that afternoon signing autographs right beside the, uh, the Letterman were at a table right beside me. Came really good friends even to this day with the Letterman. They're wonderful people and I enjoy seeing them every time I get a chance to see them. What an amazing story. What's the best way for people to find your music? Well, we were talking about websites a while ago, and my website I've deliberately designed to be very simple, and it's a landing page that you'll see my book on the left side, and you'll see my CD on the right side of the page, and underneath them will be things you can click on to take you to Amazon to buy the book, or it'll take you to Amazon to buy the CD, and you can either buy a CD, buy a download of the music, or you can stream it. And likewise with the book, you can either get a paperback copy or you can get a Kindle ebook, or you can buy an Audible and listen to me read it to you for eight hours. And in the <laughs> middle of the page, you'll see a link that says Play Rachel's Song, the original recording of Rachel's Song that I made in August of 1986. Excellent. So would you consider your book to be uplifting? Is that how you would describe it? It is inspiring, uplifting, and hopefully uh, one that will be a go-to book for people to just sit down and read when they just want to read a feel-good story and be inspired. So if you go to Dave's website, it's combs, like combing your hair, C-O-M-B-S, mm -hmm. right? Music.com, combsmusic.com. So That'll do it. I'm like Tom, you'll send me an email too. I'm at Dave at combsmusic.com. Just let me know what you think about it. Let you let me know what you think about our, our podcast today. I'd like to hear that too. Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest today is Tom Stimple. We still have a little bit of wrap up to do. I'll tell you everybody's websites where you can find out more about the people that we had on the show today. Yes. And if you're only tuning in now, you've missed an incredible show, but you can hear it tomorrow on our podcast, wherever you get our podcast. Back right after this on Passage to Profit. There's never been a better time to start your own business. 
business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. This has really been a great show. So we had to start Tom Stimple, who is an entrepreneur coach. You know, there's a lot of business coaches, but Tom is really an entrepreneur coach. And he has a book, The Entrepreneurial Mindset, and he's a excellent resource for budding entrepreneurs and people that are growing. Yeah. And you know, you really get his why and his why is really to help you. That is the most powerful why a person can have. So you can find him at proactiveforums.com. That's one of his websites. His other website is flawlesslaunch.com. Please look him up if you're thinking about starting a business or stuck with the business you have now. He's a great resource. Then we had Sharice Floyd with Witness My Life. Oh my gosh. You know, I had not spoken to Sharice or Dave before the show, and I was just so impressed with what Sharice is doing. I was just absolutely blown away. And you think of so many people who feel unnoticed and perhaps unworthy too. And Sharice is doing marvelous work to kind of lift everybody up together. And her vision is a wonderful world where people are acknowledged knowledge seeing can tell their stories just uplifted. And so her website is witnessmylife.org. And then we had Dave Combs with Combs Music, comb like you call me her, C-O-M-B-S, <laughs> music.com. And it's just this beautiful, wonderful, relaxing instrumental music that you can sleep to and that calms people down. And he's written a book of his journey developing this music called Touched by the Music. And he also has a song. If you go to his website, Rachel's song was his first song. You may have actually heard it. So before we go, I'd like to ask Tom Stimple about final words for our audience. Well, this has been an incredible show and the work that Sharice is doing to me is just fascinating. And it's a great story about how someone has come across something that they could really inspire people with and that they could really succeed at themselves and just following it through to its fruition. I'm really impressed with what you're doing. So congratulations there. And Dave, as a frustrated musician, (laughs) I really appreciate what it is that you've accomplished. And I plan on buying that book because I need some good stories. So. <laughs> Kenya? This whole show was very interconnected. I loved what Tom was talking about with finding your why and how Sharice is helping people pick up the baton and keep going. And then Dave, how he's you know helping people tap into that divine timing in life and find peace, right? So I think you need all three of those components to be not only a successful entrepreneur, but a successful human being. So thought it was a a really, really great conversation. Thank you so much for that, Kenya. As usual, you're the cherry on the top 
of the whipped cream. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, we have to wind things down. But before we do, I'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, who helps us out in so many ways. And also Alicia Morrissey, our program coordinator. Without her help, this couldn't happen at all. And Mark Wilson getting us into the syndication game. You're listening to Passage to Profit. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 